three, two, one. Make game that chim game that chims. Oh yes, make game that tune chims for December. Go mm, now. Oh yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome hey, what to is game going that chims. <laughs> Oh no, he's Game That Chimmin. <laughs> no, Johnny, he's taking over the show. It's Game That Chim's back in the house. Uh, oh yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's Game That Tune Gems, and we are back in the house once again. It's your boy, John Harrington, here. We got John Regan with the Say Hey. Hey, it's me, Jim and Johnny. Yeah, that's him, man. We got Jesse Moore. Say hey. Hey. And we've got David Fleming. Say hey. Hey. That's right, guys. Game That Tune Gems for the month of December 2022. We're doing it. It's finally the end of the year. We've closed out another year of Game That Tune Gems, our fantastic uh, you know, reminiscent show where we look back at video game releases from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and uh, enjoy their music. And man, we've got a fantastic show coming for you guys this month. Uh, we've got uh, an interesting show, something I've never really encountered before. So we've got a pretty good 1992 segment in closing us out. We've got a not very good 2002 segment. And then we've got no segment for the 2012 part of the show. So we're going to have to figure out something to do for that third segment by the time we get to the end of the show. And, uh, you know, that I, I did not expect there to be simply no releases worth talking about in December of 2012, but seriously, pull up a, pull up a list. And, you know, I don't know. You got, get in the comments and tell me what game we should have fucking talked about. Cause there were no games, but all our voicemail. Exactly, yeah. Call us in the voice, but we won't be able to you know, really get it out by the time the show's recorded. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, 940-GTT-Buzz, if you find, uh, find it you know, offensive that we overlooked a 2012 game, uh, do let us know. But for now, we're going to jump back in time to December of 1992. And what a time it was, December of 1992. You know, guys, it's the holiday season. We're all filled with the uh, Christmas spirit. Um, and I think in the case of, uh, you know, this game, they were trying to market to that. They were, you know, they were trying to uh, give us a game focused on the teachings of what I have to assume is our, uh, you know, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, fantastic game for the Game Boy. I think David's played it before. I feel like this is actually one of his secret favorites. Um, you know, the, uh, Avenging Spirit. I have played this game. Um, I do enjoy this game. I'm not quite sure I see the Christ comparison. Well, he's, he came back from the dead for vengeance. Uh, he's a, the, is Jesus not the Avenging Spirit? Yeah, no, I think you're confusing vengeance with forgiveness. Oh, shit. Yeah, see, I, you know, man, confession time, guys. It, it's been a long time since I read that Bible. And, you know, as a as a white American man, that I'm, that's fine. I'm not, I don't have to read it very often to, you know, just quote it and not fully understand it. Um, but so you're telling me Jesus Christ was not the avenging spirit. Uh, no. Um, <clears throat> and also because uh, Christ was crucified by the Roman guards, whereas the avenging spirit was gunned down by gangsters. So again, slight difference here. Okay, now hold, yeah, I've also got my wires crossed on that. <laughs> They're both Italian. That's true. 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 Um, 
I'll I'll have to go back and reread my copy of the Bible. I don't believe that Pontius Pilate had a Tommy gun. And a crucifying <laughs> 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 That's all I got. Sorry, I, I'm sorry to have taken us on this path. But so, Avenging Spirits, not you know, it's a it's a game where you're a little ghost that possesses people or something. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, it's it's kind of like a Kirby game in the sense that it has the core mechanic of like getting attack, like attacking different enemies, getting their abilities and powers and whatnot to proceed through levels. But instead of swallowing cute little creatures, you're a ghost that possesses them and takes their body. And controls them. Oh, just, just like Jesus. Okay, yeah, no, I can see how you know it's mixed up. <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, what you know, uh, the avenging spirit entered the body of Christ. That's why we do communion. Yeah, no, Jesus turned himself into fish and fed people or whatever. You know, it adds yeah. up. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that you guys watch The Exorcist and are like, wait, they're not trying to get rid of Jesus? <laughs> Try to, to put Jesus in that little girl. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I thought you knew something about it. So it's a, it's a fun game. It's got a fun Game Boy soundtrack and that's why it's, uh, it's tipping us off tonight. So we got two fantastic songs from Avenging Spirit, uh, and composer CP Brain. That's a very unusual composer name, but I'm kind of into it, quite frankly. We've uh, got the aptly names background musics two and three from Avenging Spirit.
happy holidays, see? See you in, uh, see you in 24 days, see? That's, <laughs> uh, that's Avenging Spirit, all right. <laughs> um... Man, great game, David. Thank you for uh, thank you for taking us through that one. So, David, you know, you were a Game Boy guy back in the day. Um, you're, uh, I think, to this date, you would call yourself a, uh, a Mega Man man. I I would say so. Yes. Yeah. So, David, were you back in the day a uh, as a Mega Man man, a Mega Man three on Game Boy man? Sadly, no. And I'm taking a moment to try to remember because until they got to five or V, they each combine things. So mm-hmm. Mega Man 3 was 3 and 4? Yes, parts of each. <laughs> I'm still truly baffled by that decision, <laughs> yeah, where they just somehow got stuck in between adapting uh, singular games from the NES for the Game Boy. But yes, this one had uh, bosses from uh, Mega Man 3 and 4. Uh, I don't have the full list in front of me. Um, but uh, yeah, so you... Uh, you haven't gone back and played these? Did they ever have something like a, a Mega Man Game Boy collection? Or did they realize that no one wanted that and they would rather just play the NES versions? So there was supposed to be, when they did the Mega Man Legacy collection back on like PS2 and GameCube and everything, um, they were supposed to make a Legacy collection for the Game Boy Advance that was going to be all five Game Boy games. And then they mm. delayed it, delayed it, and then they ultimately canceled it. Um, they did eventually re-release these on the 3DS Virtual Console. Um, mm. And I did pick up five, because that's the one that has brand new Robot Masters. Right. The, the, truly the only one really worth revisiting, I think. <laughs> I mean, like, it's kind of cool to see, like... Sparkman and Woodman in the same game, but also, <laughs> like, I, I want to see something new. Oh, contraire, my friend. Uh, Johnny sent us the list. Sparkman's in this game. He's not in Mega Man 2. So, uh, sadly, there's no spark in that wood. Yeah. Um, this uh, features four bosses from Mega Man 3 Snake Man, Shadow Man, Sparkman, and Gemini Man. And for Mega Man 4, Dive Man, Drill Man, Skull Man, and Dust Man. So you could uh, you could spark that dust, or you could uh, you know throw a shadow blade at a a skull. That's pretty dope. Um, you could drill into drill into a snake. Oh, Ooh. this is the one that introduced punk. Okay, whom? Well, I know each of the games introduced um, a Mega Man killer who was like a special additional boss, um, and this one was punk who. Mm. Looks very punk. He has like gigantic shoulder pads. He's got like a spike mohawk. Uh, he's actually kind of a cool design. And he's uh, he's tired and he's old and he works with yeah. fucking children. <laughs> it's only for me and Jesse. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So you know, yeah. Um, man, Mega Man versus Punk, a uh, a rivalry I would love to uh, see. You know, I, I would love it if there was a like a backstage level where like you know Mega Man maybe bites Punk or something to that effect. And Omega Man, if you will. God, Omega Man. <laughs> you know, th- you know, someone should make that reskin Mega Man Three on the Game Boy to be all of these esoteric AEW references that we were trying to make here. Oh, Mega Man, Omega Man, your robot <laughs> masters are from different games. <laughs> There's the theme song. Johnny's got it nailed down. <laughs> um, Jesse, were you going to say something? <laughs> I was just going to say that his old finisher was he would steal whoever he was wrestling their finisher. He's a lot like Mega Man. 
Yeah, that was basically his gimmick for the longest time before he became yeah. a trainer. He was basically Man. Mega Man the wrestler. Maybe Mega Man 3 on the Game Boy predicted the rise of uh, one Chicago-made punk. Yeah. <laughs> it gave him the idea. Yeah, maybe CM Punk actually loves Mega Man, and that's why he stole so many people's finishers. <laughs> uh, if only. But you know, we got two fantastic songs from uh, Mega Man 3 on the Game Boy. Um We've got Shadow Man stage and we got Dive Man stage. And I unfortunately forgot to get the list of composers, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's the usual Capcom composers. So it's probably at this time like Mary Yamaguchi, uh, Yoshihiro Sakaguchi, maybe uh, maybe even Bun Bun. Uh, but I'll I'll double check on that and I'll edit myself in saying their names in a different tone of voice. So let's do Shadow Man and Dive Man from Mega Man Three.
Okay, I forgot. Uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's whoever composed the original games, and uh, it, they just demade it for the Game Boy games. I, I, I thought, I forgot that this was going to be one of those ones where uh, they actually just demade the soundtrack. I thought it was going to be one of the ones where they, like, fucked up and made Game Boy tunes that don't sound right. Uh, I love the sound of those NES tunes demade for the Game Boy. Uh, very good Mega Man selections there, in my opinion. Um and speaking of a very good Mega Man game, in my opinion, and I don't know that a whole lot of people hold that opinion, we also had a new release on the uh, NES for uh, you know for the old Mega Man series, uh, and it's 1992. It's the end of the year. So, David, which one is it? Five. It's five, baby. <laughs> so, man, Mega Man Five, one of my favorite Mega Man games, uh, probably by virtue of it being one of the ones that I owned when I was a kid, and it being, I guess you'd probably call it a little bit easier, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, easier and more forgiving than Mega Man's two and three, but uh, you know, also I think just a ton of fun. You know, I like uh, like charging up the the shots. You know that uh, that Mega Buster, pretty dope. Always looks cool. Mega Man Flash when he's charging up uh, Mega Buster energy, um, and just uh, you know, just I think an all around fun game. I mean, people I th- feel like don't love this one as much as some of the other ones, but uh, I think this had a lot of, a lot of great things. And of course, you know, front and center on that is you know the first level you go to whenever you start Mega Man Five. Let's see if you know if you guys are of the same mind, Johnny. You of course played Mega Man Five several times. Oh, I was going to say for Napalm Man. That's, you know, a good choice. Um, good way to get your ass kicked. But, uh, you know, Jesse, what about you? What's, uh, what's your what's your starter on Mega Man 5 there? Jeez, I, I need to see what bosses. Okay, moving on to David then. What's uh, David, where do you, the Mega Man man, start Mega Man 5? Uh, Gravity Man. Gravity Man, of course. You could walk on the ceiling, fellas. I mean, come on. Was this not one of the cooler things that had ever happened at this point in, you know, early video games? Gravity changing mechanics in a level, it's pretty fucking dope. I do remember liking the design of, like, Crystal Man and Star Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, uh, me and my friend Steve would pretend to be robot masters in the backyard, and I would always pick either Star Man, Crystal Man, or Gemini Man, just because they looked fancy. Yeah, they're like spacey. I like it. You like your space robots. That's cool. I like my more terrestrial robots. I like Wave Man. Looks like a, a man going underwater with a harpoon. Yeah. Um. You know, fucking Napalm Man. He's just a fucking tank. Uh, Charge Man. He's a goddamn train. He's gonna run right into you. <laughs> um. Gravity Man. I don't know what he's supposed to be, but I'm into it. Gyro Man. He sells you Greek sandwiches. Oh um, man, boy, he's the. The star of the show, then. He's the best, man. He's got the best, uh, the you know, best Tzatziki attack. <laughs> um, crap, I feel like we're, you know, we came up one short on naming every Mega Man 5 robot master. <laughs> well, that's because who remembers Stone Man? Stone Man, thank you. Actually, uh, I do remember it because his, you know, his weapon is the Power Stone. Power Stone is another Capcom game. It's, uh, it's a uh... whole thing. Just like Mega Man 3 created CM Punk, Stone Man created Power Stone. <laughs> it's not a commonly said thing. <laughs> yeah, Power Stone's not a very common thing that comes up in fantasy and science fiction stuff. No, no way. I do love Gravity Man's weapon, 
because it's just like a screen clearing weapon and that's Hell happened yeah. before in the series but because it's specifically gravity when you use it you get to watch all the enemies just fly off into space it's mm-hmm. fucking great yeah it's super dope cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's very satisfying. Like, cause there are a few places in this game where you start getting like swarmed by annoying little enemies. You know, Stone Man stage comes to mind, and it's like, you know what? Fuck this! And they are gone. <laughs> they just they turn upside down and float away. It's you know, it's very funny. And if you really think about it in the context of you know the Mega Man world, like what an insane thing to be able to do to just a I don't know a certain radius of things. Like you just take away their gravity and they fly away. Like oh, those poor robots. <laughs> but um, man, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to you know they had a couple of I guess there was the the couple of extra things you get. I think you get in this one the super arrow, which was a little bit silly. Uh, it's like you could shoot arrows at, uh, you know, walls and make them a platform or you could ride them like a, kind of like a, a jet thing, you know, just straight horizontal. And then they had a, you get beat, uh, the little bird guy that comes down and just fucking, he also clears the screen. He goes and just pecks everything and kills him. So, you know, they had some fun things in this one. I'm a big fan. Um, and it's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's got just, uh, you know, it's loaded with bangers. Uh, you know, Mega Man games always have famously fantastic title screens. I feel like Mega Man 5 is right up there in the upper tiers of uh, fantastic title screens. So we've got the title screen. And then, because I love Johnny so much, I'm throwing in Napalm Man. And then we're doing my personal favorite song from the Mega Man 5 soundtrack, Wave Man. Uh, I simply dig those fucking tunes, baby. So, uh, you know, from composers Mary Yamaguchi and Yoshihiro Sakaguchi, We've got uh, three songs from Mega Man 5.
this. Yeah. Now that I hear that again, that reminds me. In, in Waveman stage, you get to ride like a jet ski with a gun on the front of it. It's you know, it's pretty dope. There's a oh, yeah. there's a fun little jet skiing section. It's you know, it's it's a really good game. You know, if you've ever been some weirdo that just you know takes uh, I don't know people's uh, like power rankings of Mega Man seriously and doesn't actually play them yourself, play it. It's you know maybe not the best, still a very fun game. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of things that are a lot of fun. And Johnny, this is your time to shine, because you've brought this series to the show more than once, and uh, I, I always love hearing you talk about it. Your favorite SNK fighting game. Um, it's time to head to the arcades for Fatal Fury 2. Yes, Fatal Fury 2. <laughs> this is an arcade game made by SNK. Yes. And uh, it's one of I, your favorites. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, I've, which... Which numbered game is this in the the Fatal Fury series? It's the second one, number two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's the sequel to the first one. Uh, Turns out that Fury wasn't so fatal. And the it's the second game in the series. God, and, I love watching Johnny struggle. Yeah, it's good squirm. Uh, Jesse, you got uh, thoughts on Fatal Fury two? <laughs> um. I'm not sure if I played this one or not. I feel like I played Fatal Fury and then skipped to King of Fighters. Yeah, you're more of a King of Fighters guy after that. I mean, yeah, it's got a... I mean, if it's got Terry Bogard, then it's probably cool. It does. So, Mai's um, probably in it. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Are we doing a lightning round? I'm not sure why we would. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, sure. It's got you know Terry, Andy, Joe, Mai, Kim, Ching. Yeah, Kim, he's he's there. Big Bear. And I bet uh, you fight geese at some time. Yeah, you, know, you better uh, actually take that one back, man. Geese, not in there. Really? The bosses, bosses in this one: Billy Kane, Axel Hawk, Lawrence Blood, and of course Wolfgang Krauser. Gotta love okay. those guys. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, we all know and love uh, those those bosses and those characters. Yeah, no, I, I just included because it it's it's Fatal Fury. It's a big uh, big time game. You know, fun uh fun fighting game, fun series, fun uh you know family of fighting games. Um, you know, Johnny, I feel like you should play it. You know, you're probably uh yeah yeah. There's probably a big like competitive scene for the 1992 fighting games at this point so you should yeah. probably know, get good when i yeah, was a download fight cade and go for it when i was a kid i asked my parents for a neo geo home console but oh. they took they took one <laughs> look and saw that the games cost about three hundred dollars and said no sir yeah no they were they wisely dodged that bullet like <laughs> let's see you can play these games a quarter at a time whenever we go to our local sandwich shop or you can buy a system and then buy games three hundred dollars a piece like well after 1200 no. plays you've broken even right and now that's you're, true now it's paying for itself after that because then you start charging the other kids to come to your house <laughs> and you charge them a quarter to come play your fatal fury <laughs> yeah you could have been the kid that people say yeah, I knew someone that had a Neo Geo. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. I was his friend just so I could play it. Yeah, no one had that friend. No one knew <laughs> that kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, fun game, fun series. You know, I, I always, 
I always like these. I like talking about them and thinking about them more than actually playing them. Because, I mean, they're perfectly fine games. There's just, you know, there are plenty of good fighting games. And so, you know, I feel bad for overlooking them for all these years. But one of these days, I'm going to buy one of these new King of Fighters games and really enjoy it. I can feel it. It's going to be great. But in the meantime, we've got two fantastic songs from Fatal Fury 2. We've got Flame Dragon God and we've got the London March.
great fighting game tunes. Uh, dig the early 90s rock. Dig the Fatal Fury series. Um, good stuff. So, okay, Johnny, I'm sorry. So let's move on. That was, that was mean to trap you talking about something you definitely haven't played. But here's something that maybe you did play. Now, it's a stretch because this is not the game that came out featuring this character for the Genesis. This is the SNES game. But maybe you've played it at some point, you know, I don't remember if you ever then bought an SNES or just played some, but tell me if you know about the magical quest starring Mickey Mouse. Oh, God, that sounds familiar. Um, Let's see. Um, I did at some point buy an SNES, but I think at that point when I bought it, I was more into playing Donkey Kong Country and revisiting games like Mario World and Mario Kart and games I kind of missed out on, and Disney's Magical Quest was just not on that list for some reason. Is this mm. is this is this awesome? Is this what what is this game? Is this a it's game? very good? It's a platforming game starring okay. Mickey Mouse for the uh, SNES. I, you know, and he uses magic and stuff. You know, do I uh, remember it well? No. Did I rent it? Yes. Like I think at some point this might have gotten like the cover of uh, Nintendo Power, and I looked at that and I was like, oh, okay. Um. Whatever you say, Nintendo Power, I'll give it a look. You know, read that full preview or whatever and went for it. <laughs> How would you say it compares to uh, Castle of Illusion? See, that was ho- what I was hoping Johnny could clarify for us. Yeah. Castle or World of Illusion, the you know, Virgin Interactive Disney games? I'd probably, without having actually played this on the Super Nintendo, I would probably just immediately compare it to World of Illusion compared to Castle of Illusion, since Castle of Illusion is Mickey-only. Uh, and this sounds like you can, um, you might be able to play as more than just Mickey. I'm not sure from the description I'm reading here, but, um, um, no, in this one, you're playing as Mickey, uh, and he changes outfits, uh, which give him different magical abilities. But the other thing I remember about Castle of Illusion is I remember absolutely hating it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember really loving World of Illusion. I had a great time in World of Illusion, but I remember I played Castle of Illusion and was like, this sucks. Like. World of Illusion hmm. was far superior. Uh, again, you're talking to seven-year-old Johnny right now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I know you were not afraid to express your opinions even then. But back then, so, I've just been... I told your mom, you know, this sucks and I hate it. You know, I hate Mickey Mouse and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, because I, I think as a kid, I mainly played as Donald Duck in World of Illusion because I thought he was way cooler, right? So that may He's have cool. influenced... He's not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Donald Duck's cool. You know, playing as ducks is cool. I love I love playing as Plucky in Tiny Toons. It wasn't always a good idea to do so, but you know, he plays the duck. It's great. Um, but yeah, uh, I I kind of wish you know I I don't know I kind of want to go back and maybe uh bust this out at some point because um it's a Mickey Mouse game. I could probably like you know if I had some kind of uh, emulation setup that I could show my son, I think he would enjoy this. He's been enjoying some Disney stuff. Yeah, you, know, you know, it's the only content he consumes it's the monoculture so let's go back to a time when it wasn't and this was working hard to you know penetrate our hearts and minds um you know get to play a game where you go around as mickey and go on a magical quest and you dress as a firefighter and you know do silly things like you know sounds great a simpler simpler mickey time apparently Um, they're supposed to be making a new like mickey mouse illusion game for switch and it's gonna have like co-op like new super mario brothers style um and it's using like the throwback animation design in like some of the newer mickey mouse cartoons that it's not quite steamboat willy but it has that same like older aesthetic 
That's that. intriguing. I mean, like, you know, they, uh, who was it, WayForward? They did such a good job on fucking DuckTales Remastered that, like, I would love to see anybody take a crack at doing that for these Mickey games. Like, you know, I, I think it'd be, uh, it'd be really great to see a really lovingly done update of some of these, uh, these old Disney games. This one, of course, isn't the, you know, the, uh, yeah, you know, or actually, yeah, you know, DuckTales was Capcom, so I guess they could probably get the rights to this. It's Capcom too. What was I thinking? Um, but yeah, do it. I think it'd be, uh, I think it'd be great. Yeah, you know, I'd. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I would consider playing these with my son, like I said. So, uh, you know, people that own Capcom and uh, you know, uh, Bob Iger. I know he's a patron. Uh, you know, hope you're listening. Hope you. Take our uh, take our suggestion and you know go ahead and do these games right. You know we'll pay Dick you. Boss Iger, we call him. Yep, exactly. You know that's the uh, first thing he did once he took it back, took back over the company was subscribe to the Dick Boss tier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so we got two fantastic songs from the Magical Quest. It's uh, man, it's a Mary Yamaguchi heavy segment, guys. She's back. Uh, she's not just doing Mega Man games, she's doing Mickey Mouse games. So we've got Treetops and we've got Fire Grotto from the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse and composer Mary Yamaguchi. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's just good adventurous music, uh, and it's that sound is just so nostalgic for me as a guy that grew up with Super Nintendo playing, uh, you know, kids games, and eventually played a, I would call it a shit ton of Aladdin for the SNES. Like it's mm. the same sound, and it's nostalgic. It's fantastic. So yeah. Much love for uh, for Mary Yamaguchi and that sound. So okay, Johnny. Now I'm now I'm really not teasing you. We're gonna move on to the uh, the Sega Genesis Ooh. and to a game hopefully that you have played and can speak about because otherwise this segment's really not going anywhere. Um, I want to talk to you about a fantastic mascot for the Sega Genesis, not the Hedgehog. Okay. Another blank the blank on Sega Genesis. Um. This one happens to be in the uh, in the water. Uh, it's it's the first appearance of, of course, the iconic Echo the Dolphin. Oh yeah, this game was so fucking weird. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I've never brought myself to play it, man. So you tell me all about it. <laughs> so the first stage serves as an intro to the story, right? And it was, this is one of my first times I ever experienced a game like this where it just kind of drops you in and you have no real idea what's going on. And I think the first time I read this, I just spent the whole weekend swimming around the first stage trying to figure out what to do. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. You've got to... Johnny, we got to take the game back now. Yeah. <laughs> no can do, Mom. <laughs> if you uh, leap real high in the air, that triggers the story where like, you leap high in the air and some aliens come down and basically suck up most of the ocean life. Um, of course. Yeah. And then you're left in a empty ocean or mostly empty ocean. There's other, you know, animals. Um and you go around trying to solve like the mystery of what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big central mystery to the Echo of the Dolphin game, and, namely, what the hell? <laughs> and, and you wind up fighting aliens as a dolphin, which Back then, I hated it, but now I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's- I mean, I got, yeah, I don't know what people were expecting from this. Obviously, they weren't expecting a dolphin fighting aliens, but like, you know, where were the expectations in terms of what this game was going to be? <laughs> and then it's like, also, you know, it turns out, no, it's not the relaxing swimming simulator you thought. And you're fighting aliens. Like, I just, you know, I want to know, you know, what the, uh, the kind of organic and re- like what the, in real time reaction was to this back in the day. <laughs> I think I think a lot of it was the designers really wanted to like show like look we could make uh uh real life creatures look really good on the Genesis. Mm. And like so they like did a bunch of um like ocean research and stuff too to you know get the animals right and and like I I do think um it's this is definitely not a game you should play, but you should maybe watch like a like a a long play or a quick play of it because like it for the time it's a gorgeous looking game like it's really cool. Um, Sounds like it was kind of the original Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, pretty much, and yeah. they and wanted like, to get the undersea stuff right, and at, so they did a ton in, of research. In and Avatar: The Way of Water, did they travel back fifty-five million years into the past to learn how to communicate with a ter- uh, how do you, how do you pronounce this? Like a pterodactyl? That's actually not what it is, but I'm just gonna say pterodactyl for to summon for some random flying dinosaur. <laughs> Pteranodon, 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 yeah. You make friends with the Tyrannodon in this game. That's amazing. 
It's pretty good. <laughs> mm. Jumping out well, of the water and doing flips feels good, but otherwise, it's very difficult to figure out what any of the puzzles mean. Because like, you'll just find a dolphin and they'll just say, go there. And you'll be like, where? What do you mean, you stupid dolphin? Tell me where to go. Yeah, everything in this game is very cryptic. Like, oh, hey, what's as it up? should be. You're playing as a fucking dolphin, <laughs> like fighting aliens. It shouldn't be easy to figure out. They're 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 smart, but they're not that smart. I mean, you know, if you're a dolphin solving alien puzzles, it should be hard. Yeah, but the real mystery is why did we include Echo the Dolphin on this video game music show? Because its soundtrack is just as unknowably weird as the game. Um, you know, it's uh, it's certainly a thing. So we've got two fantastic songs uh, from Echo the Dolphin and composers Andres Magyari, Spencer Nielsen, and Brian Coburn. We've got The Vents, and we've got Jurassic Beach. And, uh, man, let's just soak up these tunes.
My name is Echo. I'm here to say I have no idea what is the way. <laughs> man, oh man. Um, you know, we should have done that a long time ago, guys. That Echo the Dolphin tribute rap CD. That would have been pretty fucking great. We could we could still do it. Yeah, Patreon exclusive. Coming mm-hmm. soon to Patreon. The music, yeah. the music yeah. in the background is different, but the lyrics on every song are the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep doing the same I song to a different beat. What I'm here to say. <laughs> I'm jumping in the air in a major way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So um, okay, so. Speaking of uh, speaking of fantastic soundtracks, how about a game that needs no real discussion and it's only here because uh, it's got a fantastic soundtrack and because uh, we've you know used the game essentially on a previous episode. We're staying with the Sega Genesis, and as such, we didn't get to play on the Sega Genesis Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Four: Turtles in Time. On the Sega Genesis, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist, released in December of 1992. Um, largely the same game, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it's heavily based on Turtles in Time. Um, it's technically Except someone's not... stealing Hyperstones this time. Yes. Um, it's got a different group of levels, I think. There's New York City, a ghost ship, Shredder's Hideout, a gauntlet, and... Um... Like the final, what they call the final shell shock, which is like the Technodrome. Um, For a second, I thought you were going to say, it's got a totally different group of characters. Like, <laughs> it's, it's practically Turtles in Time, but you're playing as the Battletoads. <laughs> oh, man. It. <laughs> you know, there should have been crossovers back in the day. It's way, it's way past the date for these things. They should have struck while the iron was hot, baby. <laughs> um, But yeah, so it's the same game. But... uh. Not quite the same. Um, point is, it's Ninja Turtles. It's the music you know and love. It's on the Genesis this time. Um, that's pretty much why I picked it. Because you can't pass up these turtles, man. They're just... Uh, it's classic fucking video game music and classic just, you know, our fucking childhood shit, man. Like, and, uh, and can did I you actually I play gonna... this one back in the day? Or you oh, know, yeah. were you more of a uh, tit man? Oh, I rented this back in the day. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I didn't have the Super Nintendo. I was playing. Of course, I, I didn't even know Turtles of Time existed. I was, I was too busy See, playing. But no, then, you, thing, then you go to the the arcade, and Turtles in Time is there too. And it's like, oh, okay, so wait, what the fuck's this Hyperstone Heist? Why didn't you just call it Turtles in Sega Time? Like, <laughs> you know, why the fuck do you have to call it something different? We would have, you know, we would have been fine. And I believe this was Konami's first ever title for the Sega Genesis. Which now is that crazy. strikes me as huh. hmm. So did this come out, I guess, before Bloodlines? Then, yeah, because we haven't used Castlevania Bloodlines on the show, so oh, okay, that's, uh, awesome. I think that's coming this year, <laughs> um, or excuse me, next year. This is December, um, but yeah, uh, wow, I didn't know that. I should have fucking uh, should have sorted by a publisher or something on these uh, research pages I was looking at. But you know, good for Konami, finally working with the Genesis team. And, uh, you know, they would make some good games. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, two great flavors finally got together. Sega and Konami together at last with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist and composer Masahiro Ikariko. We've got Turtle Swing and we've got Alley Cat Blues.
you know, I couldn't quite make it out in the background. You're not, you're still rapping, aren't you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. I'm rapping about Sega in a major way. <laughs> my, my name's Sega the Dolphin, and I'm here to say... <laughs> I'd love to fight these turtles in a major way. <laughs> um... So um yeah man just uh, just fantastic soundtrack I, I you know it's a it's a fantastic just you know set of uh, set of songs no matter what sound chips spitting it out and you know it's certainly not made worse by the Sega Genesis sound chip I you know I think it sounds pretty fucking great love it so moving on to something that also sounds great coming out of the Sega Genesis sound chip Johnny let's hop on our motorcycles and then try to kill each other how about it um. I mean, I've, it's going to take a while for me to get all the way to Tallahassee, man, but maybe if we meet in the middle somewhere. Okay. You wanna... Sounds good, yeah. We're just going to head-to-head joust somewhere on I-95. <laughs> it's going to be great, man. Um, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, maybe we can hook up uh, you know, an emulator with some netplay and play some Road Rash 2. Oh, yeah. So this was the first one to have multiplayer, I think. I think so. I yeah. think I, you know, it's one of those things where you always think back on these early games. It's like, yeah, I loved Double Dragon on the NES. I played that with my brother all the time. No, you didn't. <laughs> you know, I loved Road Rash. Me and my buddy played that all the time. No, you didn't. You played Road Rash too. <laughs> it was the shit. You got to uh, ride motorcycles and hit each other with chains and shit. You know, very dangerous. Um, this really needed a, did, you know, I'm sure it had a disclaimer like kids. Don't buy a motorcycle and also don't do any of this. Like, you know, seriously, just play this game as an outlet for that that aggression. Do not do this in real life. Don't get on your bikes and ride around your neighborhood playing road rash and hitting each other with chain whips and, you know, bashing each other with baseball bats. Don't do it. They actually did the opposite. Um, every copy yeah, of the game, <laughs> every copy of the game came with a chain whip included inside the game case. <laughs> Oh man, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, as long as you include like a little warning, a little disclaimer saying "not for use on human skull," <laughs> then yeah, you could throw a chain whip in as a as a bonus. And yeah, you know, kids would get to just you know, man, road rash each other all good. Um, yeah, these uh these games are fucking fun, man. Um, motorcycles racing with uh combat elements you know it, it was the kind of shit that was real fun back in the day I, i'm not sure like how fantastically it ages now but i mean it's i mean it's essentially shit like you know top gear and you know whatever but you add a motor instead of a car you're a motorcycle and you can attack each other like you yeah, know no, it's good I, I see zero simple difference, racing zero difference between this and mario kart no, really i mean <laughs> it's uh it's in the same uh same family as Mario Kart, <laughs> you know, racing camera pointed behind you. Um, you know, Road Rash fa- famously has that uh that ghost house. Um, <laughs> you know, crazy ass level. I'm not sure what I want to see more: a new version of Road Rash with Mario items, or the next Mario Kart where you can just bust out a chain to whip people. I mean, honestly, like that's the only thing really missing from Mario Kart is melee weapons, like. You know, some kind of reusable, rechargeable weapon that you can hit people with. So you don't have to worry about item boxes. I would love that. Because I frequently miss the item boxes playing Mario Kart. So The Piranha Plant is kind of melee-ish. Yeah, but there I hate the, it. was the Tanuki Tail in Mario Kart 7. There sure was. Oh, yeah. That game no longer exists, as far as Nintendo is concerned. They've moved on to Mario Kart 8 for this decade, David. 
Um, that's I, what you get. Point. And I guess the, yeah. an important thing to remember in Road Rash is your own fists and um, feet are weapons as well, right? Like mm-hmm. I would like to see in a Mario Kart where you just punch other kart players. As and you, as that would go be by. good too. Yeah, and you can beat up police officers. Also, a very important detail of Road Rash is a contempt for law enforcement and the ability to literally attack them. It's good. God, um, if they did incorporate that into Mario Kart, like walking up police officers here, because like those legs stretch out so far. Mm. But yeah, yeah, there should be police officers in Mario Kart that you can beat up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Little shy guys with sirens going by that just you, all they exist to do is like be hit with items. <laughs> be pretty good. Um, but man, yeah, we got two fantastic songs from Road Rash 2 because Road Rash 2 is composed by Rob Hubbard. Rob Hubbard is a fucking Sega, you know, composing legend. That guy can really, you know, make the uh, the Sega sound and make it make it fantastic. So, uh, we got two awesome songs from Road Rash 2. We've got the main theme and we've got Vermont, the exotic stage of Vermont. They really knew how to, you know, gin up excitement for this game. By making you play, Johnny, while we're listening to this, pull up the list of Road Rash 2 courses, because Vermont is uh, just, it's its every kid's dream. You want to go to Vermont and ride a motorcycle and beat up some cops. They knew what they had here. It was Pe- high quality shit. Peak Gen X. That's what I'm saying. Let's, uh, let's hit the road. <laughs>
All right, Johnny, you got that list of courses for me. What's cooler than Vermont? Um, I do like smoking Mountain, Tennessee, but oh. uh, I'm probably going to go with Hoodoo's Revenge, Arizona. Oh, I'm sorry, it's called what? Hoodoo's Revenge. Hmm. Interesting name. <laughs> um, I don't know what to make of that. So we'll move on. We'll move on to a double dose of fantastic Sega tunes. And I mean that slightly sarcastically, because guess what, Johnny? It's Game Gear time, baby. Ooh. Yeah. Charge it up. Get your batteries out. Get them ready, because guess what's here on the Game Gear? It's Streets of Rage for the Game Gear. Yeah. (laughs) What a worth playing game, right? (laughs) I made a Streets of Rage for Game Gear? They sure did. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm a pretty big fan of the Game Gear uh, sound chip, so I'm actually kind of excited to hear how they adapted these songs to it. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, you like, I I like your mind went to the exact right place because there's nothing terribly worthwhile to say about the game, but it does make it interesting hearing Yuzo Koshiro's insane, fantastic Streets Rage music slightly demade for the Game Gear. Uh, you know, you think fucking, you know, Game Boy is the only source of weird D-made music in 1992. Mm-mm, Game Gear's still out there, baby. There's just not that many games that do it well enough to talk about. So Streets of Rage, Game Gear. Um, I'm taking it, Johnny. You never actually played it. Oh, hell no. No, of course not. <laughs> my, um, by the time I got past the tile screen, my batteries were dead. There's, you know. <laughs> I just never got to fight in the street. <laughs> um, I'm taking a look at pictures of it now, and my god, the sprites are like a tenth of the size of the screen. And on a Game Gear, those things had to have been like half an inch tall at most. Yeah. Like, hmm, these yeah, are that's... ridiculously small sprites. That's unusual scaling. I would have thought they'd try to make it, you know, too big for the screen, as uh, was the case for most... Uh, portable games you know you can't get much action on the screen so you might as well fill it with the character but uh man that's uh that's interesting david i didn't even think to you know think about that you know the idea that they would make like a chibi streets of rage just by virtue of being on fucking game gear Ugh. but it's not I'm, even uh, like stylized chibi like the neo geo pocket it's just like normal sprites just super super scaled down not a great idea but what is a great idea is the music of Yuzo Koshiro, whether it's on the uh, Genesis or the Game Gear. Uh, the man, I you know, are we prepared to say he does no wrong? I feel like it's real tough to find when Yuzo Koshiro does something wrong. And uh, I don't think we're going to find that here in this segment because, yeah, Streets of Rage for the Game Gear composed by Yuzo Koshiro. We've got two fantastic songs. We've got Fighting in the Street and we've got The Last soul that's the theme of that last little bit of the battery as it dies and you don't get to play any more game gear games last little bit of soul draining out of that duracell
Johnny. How do you do? Amazing. That's great. Yeah. No, it's honestly, it's pretty darn good. Um, you know, seems like the kind of guy Yuzo is a uh, kind of guy that wouldn't let shit just like, I don't know, be done poorly. Like, if you're going to adapt his music for a different sound chip, he's going to do it and he's going to do it right. And, uh, you know, they did it, I would say, admirably. And it only pales in comparison to the next release from this month, the final game that we're going to talk about in December of 1992, the final game of Game That Tune Gems 1992, Streets of Rage 2 for the Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they put out Streets of Rage for the Game Gear, boys, and then uh, threw out a fucking main course dinner for the rest of us, <laughs> you know, the people that actually had systems that uh, didn't require those batteries. So, you know, man, what a fucking game, Streets of Rage 2. Yeah, this one is just so much better than the first Streets of Rage. <laughs> like, Streets of Rage 1, 1 is great, don't get me wrong, but man, Streets of Rage 2 is just... Oh, I just I, I really like it a lot say, better. Uh, Johnny, is Streets of Rage one comparably bad to Sonic One, or just not as good as Streets of Rage Two? No, not no. This is not Sonic One and Sonic Two. <laughs> it is nowhere okay, near yeah, that level. Just check. No, 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 no. Because um, this one introduces uh, Blade, who runs around a Royal Blades, which is you know a lot of fun. Um, Wait, was he called Blade or was he called Skate? I'm sorry, Skate. His name is Skate. My bad. For a second there, the call got a little weird. I'm like, Johnny, I can assure you this didn't introduce Blaze, nor did she ride around on roller skates. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, I'm mixing up Blaze and skates in my head as Blade. Um, I mean, and that's pretty fucking rad. That would be cool. You should have done that. And yeah. Who else does it introduce? <laughs> oh, Max Thunder. Uh, Max Hatchet. Um, Thunder Hatchet. Uh, and I don't remember much about him, but... Uh, he was except, uh, he's like, like he's like Hagar basically, slow moving wrestler kind of dude. I was gonna say he was like the big shirtless guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of feel like if your name is Max Hatchet, you don't need a nickname like Thunder. You're already cool enough, okay? Like you you need to be Max Thunder Hatchet. Is that <laughs> I not think just he's a wrestler? Oh, uh, okay. Well, that you know. Then yeah, have as many nicknames as you want. Um, pretty cool. Um. Yeah. No. I, you know. Obviously, I was a uh, I was an SNES guy, so I don't have as many specific memories about Streets of Rage two. But uh, you know, I love that they uh, that they put this out in uh, North America the week of Christmas. You know, sent all the uh, all the parents rushing to the store <laughs> for one last thing. Um, can't, I, I just feel like they didn't understand release dates back in these days. <laughs> like, you know, did they like surprise everybody with this? Did people know this was coming? And then it came out, you know, December 20th, and it's like, oh, shit, yeah, my kid really wants that. And, you know, I want that because I, you know, as an adult that has a kid that has a Genesis, I want to play this game. This game looks fucking rad. But I don't know. It's a weird one. Weird one to come out just, you know, smack dab in the middle of December. I mean, but, uh, well, so, you know, it came out December 20th, but it wound up being um, one of the top five best selling Sega Genesis games of the month. Like okay, even, even with that late ass release, it still did. Yeah, very important. Good. Yeah, <laughs> that release date. They only had a third of the month to work with, and they were still one of the top five. Yeah, good, good for them. 
because um, it's a great fucking game. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, uh, when you know all the Wikipedia article says about it is stuff like you know it's considered the best beat 'em up game on the Genesis and maybe the best beat 'em up of all time. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Fucking release it whenever you want. Uh, <laughs> people will get it eventually. You know, and all those kids unwrapping those new Genesises on Christmas, maybe they'll get it in January. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, we talk in you know all these release dates and things as though games didn't have longer legs back in the day. <laughs> like, you know, nowadays it's like you got your hot games and they kind of get moved on from, and you know, it's what's next. You know, uh, I would gladly if if I had a Genesis and received this game in like 1995, I'd be fucking pumped. Um, just like I was for every NES game I received in 1992 and 1993. <laughs> like, it's just how it went. Um, but man, yeah. What a what a game! What a series! Uh, I'm glad they brought it back. Uh, are they going to make a, like a Streets of Rage five? Have they announced anything after the after the last one came out? I don't think so. Dang, they should. Um, and get you know get Koshiro back making the soundtrack because uh, I don't know, man. Fucking this, yeah, soundtrack's almost like indescribably good. Just fantastic fucking tunes. Um. You know, I feel bad for having selected them. Johnny, do you want to override any selections, or are you cool with the ones that I've made? I think you made some good choices here. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, so, it's our bonus beats for the month. It's uh, it's just one of the best soundtracks there is. Just a fucking, like a magnum opus of Sega Genesis music. Um, transcending, I don't know, time, space, the world. It's... Uh, it's Yuzo Koshiro's just, you know, what a, what a fucking game. What a soundtrack. We got three fantastic songs from Streets of Rage 2. We've got Dreamer. We've got Slow Moon. And we've got Wave 131. And guys, that's going to do it. So we're going to wave goodbye to 1992 with some Streets of Rage 2. So we'll see you guys in 2002.
Uh, I almost feel bad that we even have to do the 2002 segment following up that Streets of Rage 2. That's just fantastic fucking tunes. And mm, I, uh, I dig them in a major way, um, but we're leaving the rap bit in 1992 and oh. we're going to move on because, man, guys, what a segment we've got here in 2002. <laughs> we've got mostly Game Boy Advance games because I think, like I was saying, they figured out release dates by 02 and didn't put out a whole bunch of fantastic stuff, um, except maybe to dump it onto handheld systems. So let's start with a uh, what I believe is like an update of a uh a game from a few years prior to this for the game boy advance uh jesse what is your familiarity familiarity excuse me with the lunar series i had a friend that was really into it um okay and i know the i recently used it in my um working designs mixtape Yes, you did. Ah, I knew you had some familiarity with it. So, do you have any familiarity with Lunar Legend for the Game Boy Advance? Was this a remake of one of them? Or, I think they made a weird prequel that um, played strangely. I'm not sure. According to the Wikipedia, it's a retelling of the events of Lunar the Silver Star. uh, With some story and content changes, but all characters from the original game appear. Okay. Um... So it's a uh, lunar was was it Sega Saturn or was it Sega CD? CD. Yeah. So it's a Sega and CD game remade for Game Boy Advance. That's pretty cool. One of the best uses of the Game Boy Advance. You know, yeah. Here's a system that people own. I'd say a few million people own it. Let's put games on it from a system that no one owned. And you know, I don't know, retool them a little bit, but yeah, like. Man, you know, they really should have made the Game Boy Advance just the uh, the portable Sega CD is what they should have done. Oh, that would have been great. I am curious mm-hmm. to see how they handle porting the CD audio soundtrack to the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> shut up, Johnny, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's We were supposed to dance around that for a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go great. Spoilers for the music. It's... Um, not quite there. It's not quite CD audio, Game Boy Advance sound chip that we've been shitting on since any time it's been on Game of the Tune Gems. I'm sorry to report, it's still not CD quality audio. After that, I feel bad. <laughs> so I told all my friends it was. Mm. Uh, huge mistake. <laughs> I promised everybody the Game Boy Advance was going to be CD quality audio, and it, it never lived up to that, man. Kind of like how you know I convinced somebody to buy a GameCube instead of a PS2 because the GameCube would be able to play DVDs too. Ah, oh then, no! Yeah, huge mistake. You, you told someone that? <laughs> no, honestly, I, I I don't remember at the time. I remember uh, talking to my next door neighbor about. He was like asking what systems you know you should buy. I'm like, well, man, you know, GameCube's got Smash Bros. and uh, you know Nintendo stuff on it, and PlayStation. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's got on it, but it's it's got that Grand Theft Auto game, and it can play DVDs. And then I remember at some point my next door neighbor being annoyed. He's like, "I thought you said this thing could play DVDs." I'm like, "I don't think I said that exactly. I think we might have been confused on this conversation." But I'm glad that you got the GameCube here because I'm going to hang out here and play it with you. Like, <laughs> you know, I think it might have just now, been a cross uh, crossing of uh, understandings there. <laughs> if you would have got the Panasonic Q. Then he could have played DVDs with his... Mm-hmm. But we couldn't have played Luigi's Mansion. That would have been the problem. Yes, you could have. Um, oh. 
Well, that was that was the weird GameCube that Panasonic made that could play DVDs. Oh, fuck! I didn't even know about that. Anyway, we're getting away from Lunar Legend, um, a game that Jesse obviously didn't play. I know you were a Game Boy Advance guy, so I thought maybe you were putting some RPG time in on Lunar. David, I'm not even going to bother asking. That's um, fair. You know, you didn't start playing RPGs until this last decade, so um, it's uh, it's it's not for you. But uh, wow, okay, yeah, I did not know about the Panasonic Q. I thought Jesse was uh, referencing some weird bootleg piece of hardware, not something that was in any way associated with Nintendo. Um, but we're not going to talk about the Panasonic Q uh, until maybe it's discontinued. Or if you can find me a Panasonic Q exclusive game for uh, for a future episode of Gems, maybe we'll talk about it. But uh, in the meantime, we've got two fantastic songs. From Lunar Legend and composer Noriyuki Iwadare, we've got Fighting Spirits and we've got Meribia. <laughs>
Mm-hmm. So they almost got the CD quality audio. <laughs> they almost had it, guys. Sadly, it never came to pass, which is sad for these next two games because they're also on the Game Boy Advance. Um, so, David, let's talk about a Game Boy Advance game that maybe you did play. I'm not sure if you owned one at this time or if you were interested in picking up uh, remakes of 16-bit games a la Lunar Legend. Um, but there was also a company that did remakes of 16-bit games, a company called Nintendo. And they made a game, uh, prior to the Game Boy Advance, they made a game called The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. And then in 2002, they put it on the Game Boy Advance. Did you get it? No. Oh, man. I have played it, though, because it's also included Four Swords, right? I think it did, yes. So wait a minute, did you buy the bundle and then just not play Link to the Past? No, actually... <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> it, we, were, we were all hanging out, and I think we were driving somewhere, because I remember I was with Jesse and I was with Anthony, and Anthony had his copy of Link to the Past plus Four Swords, and I said, like, oh, I've never played that. And he lost his shit about me not playing Link to the Past. It's like, no, I've played Link to the Past. I was talking about Four Swords. And he loaned me his Game Boy Advance, and I played Four Swords for like half an hour in the back of a car. And hmm. it was kind of fun. Anthony losing his shit over a small misunderstanding? Doesn't sound like the guy I know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, man, uh, I'm glad you got to play it a little bit. Wait. Did you play four? I'm sorry. I totally missed you. You played Four Swords, not Link to the Past. Right. Um, I've, but I've, you have since played Link to the Past, of course. Yeah, I've, I've played Link to the Past. I was like, okay, it's Link to the Past, but on a small screen. What's this new thing? Right. I guess, uh, you know, smart on your part. Because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know personally if there are a whole lot of uh, changes made to the uh, to a Link to the Past. For a Game Boy Advance, I'm sure there's some kind of connectivity feature, uh, you know, either by connecting with a friend or, uh, you know, connecting it to a GameCube for some reason. Um, you know, they probably, I don't know. Oh, wait, actually, sorry. There's, uh, there's of course, a new dungeon um, in A Link to the uh, Link to the Past. Get this, David. It's the Palace of the Four Sword. I was going to say, didn't they add like a Four Swords dungeon? They sure did. <laughs> I still have uh, my four sword. Hey. <laughs> to unlock this dungeon, a player must defeat Ganon and Link to the Past and Vati at least once in four swords. And then you get a new dungeon. So pretty cool. Um, nice feature. But uh, I mean, I do appreciate that Nintendo does that. Like, hey, we're going to remake Link's Awakening for the Game Boy Color and also add a new dungeon. Yes. That is largely dependent on colors. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. What are you going to call it? Color Dungeon. Didn't say we were the most creative people, but hey, here's a brand new thing. So thank you, Nintendo, for that. And thank you, Nintendo, for this fantastic CD audio quality soundtrack uh, for A Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, we've got two fantastic songs from a series composer and famous uh, CD enthusiast, Koji Kondo. Uh, we've got Kakariko Village, and we've got Black Mist. So, again, I, I, I just, uh, I'm sorry, guys, that I promised you guys CD quality audio on the Game Boy Advance. It was a mistake on my part, but we'll, uh, we'll get through these tunes. Uh, maybe, maybe these will be the Game Boy Advance tunes that sound quite good. Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, damn, they actually uh, they did a pretty acceptable job of uh, redoing that soundtrack on the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I never should have doubted uh, Mr. Kondo. That was uh, that was perfectly fine, and I'm glad because so many times on this show. This show specifically, we shit all over the Game Boy Advance and its sound. I specifically shit all over the Game Boy Advance. You guys seem so polite. I'm just the one just eviscerating this thing. So I'm glad. Link to the Past, pretty good soundtrack. I, say, um, I like the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I like the Game Boy Advance itself. I like the games that are on it. I don't like the soundtracks. <laughs> they, uh, they, in general, are of a uh, questionable quality. Speaking of games of questionable quality, let's do another remake, guys. How about it? How about a game? For the Game Boy Advance, it's a remake of a game that I believe is celebrating its 10th anniversary at this point. So a game that came out in 1992. Hmm? Um, Johnny, it's time for you to bust out your Game Boy Advance. Okay. Uh, and let's see how much you loved and played Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland for the oh, Game Boy Advance. I played this the first time when it was called Kirby's Adventure. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, was it not Kirby's Dreamland? <laughs> No, I believe Kirby. I believe Nightmare in Dreamland is a remake of Kirby's Adventure, not oh, a remake yeah. of Kirby's Dreamland. Well, see, there's my first source of confusion. <laughs> well, don't throw the word Dreamland in there if it's not a remake of Kirby's Dreamland. Because yeah, well, um, the final boss of Kirby's Dreamland is called Nightmare, I believe. Right? I'm sorry, the final boss of Kirby's Adventure. Kirby's Adventure, a nightmare takes over Dreamland, and people stop having dreams and start having nightmares instead. Right? Right. So it kind of makes bitch. sense as a title. But like, yes, they should have called it Kirby's Adventure GBA or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Kirby's or, you know, GBA Kirby, Adventure. Kirby versus the Nightmare in Dreamland. Um, <laughs> but you know, say, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland one makes this sound like a sequel, and then two makes you th- if once you find out it's not a sequel, and it's a remake. You maybe think it's going to be a remake of Dreamland, but it's actually Adventure. So I mm. remember. It being a remake of Adventure because you fight Meta Knight and Meta Knight was not in Dreamland. Ah, except in this. Is he the Nightmare in Dreamland? No, the Nightmare is just named Nightmare. <laughs> like, that's literally his name. <laughs> you guys are losing me here. What's <laughs> I, I feel like this would have been a little more clear if maybe they call this Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland U or Kirby New Nightmare in Dreamland U, something like that. Um, mm hmm. New but, Kirby's and, Adventure 2, Nightmare in Dreamland. You. you but then also you featuring Dante what, from Devil May Cry and Knuckles. I mean, what about the uh, the special mode of Meta Nightmare? Are you aware of that, Johnny? Uh, where you get to play as Meta Knight? Yes. Hey, I didn't actually know about that. I just guessed based on the name. <laughs> it's a, it's an endurance mode where you play as Meta Knight in the game, but you can't, uh, can't save. Okay, it actually sounds kind of dope. It is kind of dope. I mean, obviously, an endurance mode of a Kirby game takes, what, two and a half hours? Um, but, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure that is a nightmare. Sounds like a dream, baby. They should have called it Meta Dream Mare. Or, hmm. so I'll work I, on it. It is kind of nice. Like, they, they sort of, um, like, this, like, the art looks good. And I believe they update the graphics to be kind of like the Kirby Superstar style. So you get to play Kirby's Adventure, but with, like, Super Nintendo style graphics, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this had multiplayer, if I'm not mistaken, um, and h- hats for abilities, right? Because in Kirby's Adventure, you didn't have hats, but in Kirby's uh, Superstar, you, you start getting hats. Uh, uh, okay. And this brings in hats, so you get hat. He has a new hat. 
See, I forgot that about adventure. That he, so your appearance didn't really change unless you were like wielding something in adventure. Yeah, and now, your, your, now color, you your, your your color changed, and yeah, if you were wielding something, you had it. But like, no, you, like sword, you just wield a sword. You can get a hat with it. Gotcha. Hmm. That is uh that's an important change because Kirby. I mean, it's one of the things we love about him nowadays. Is him? He's a he's a I don't want to say man. He's a, a thing that wears many hats. Yeah, and. uh we like Kirby wearing his many hats. So, what's your favorite Kirby's Adventure or Nightmare in Dreamland hat, mm, Johnny? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the list of them now. Probably Beam, uh, which is the it's good hat. yeah. It's like Where's the little Jester's hat? hat. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty. David, great. what's your favorite Kirby hat in this one? Um, I wanted to look up like what the hats were because I do have like a really good favorite hat but i don't believe it's in this one mm. um uh, i'm gonna go with ice it's a good hat because that's where he gets the little like crest of like s- like ice crystals right well, ice crown yeah no little, I, th- I think in this one he like gets more crown. like a. I thought in this one he got more like a little uh like a ice climbers hat, um, whatever you call it, a fucking you know parka hood, parka hat. Yeah, um, <laughs> still a very cute, cute hat. Jesse, what about you? Favorite Kirby's uh, Nightmare in Dreamland hat? Um, I think I like the. It's kind of basic, but I like the throw with the like uh Kirby with a Ryu bandana on. Yeah, it's, it's a good long in the back, and it's kind of flowing. It looks mm-hmm. up. Yep, I've always been a fan of the uh, sword hat, you know, because he looks like Link. Um, and the fire hat always looked really good. That's, uh, yep. you know, it's one I've always enjoyed. Oh, can I change my answer? Yes. No. Because I, <laughs> I, like, I like the ice power and I like the ice crown, but if we're talking exclusively about hats, I want to change mine to sleep because I love his little polka dot sleep cap. It's oh, incredible. yes. The, oh. You know, I just think so little of the sleep power because it annoys me. But yes, yeah. uh, Kirby and his little sleep cap is just so cute. Um, so we've got two fantastic songs from Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland and composers Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa and Shogo Sakai and Tadashi Ikigami. Uh, fantastic songs for a Game Boy Advance soundtrack. I'm no longer going to say the CD audio bit. We'll just see if the songs hold up because I think they do because it's 8-bit updone for... Uh, you know, whatever you want to call the Game Boy Advance sound. So we've got Ice Cream Island and we've got the battle with King DDD.
Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention the Battle of King DDD is a much more epic sounding thing than uh, than previously. Uh, this time it's more like the Fountain of Dream stage in Super Smash Brothers, uh, and uh, you know, fun new rendition of uh, Gourmet Race. It's pretty great. Um, dig those tunes, man. What a uh, what great tunes. So guys, I'm sorry to finish off the segment in this way. I guess I didn't really think this segment all the way through. Um, but I guess I was like, well, this is like one of the only games in this uh, month that's not a remake. So uh, it's original and we might as well finish off with it. Uh, and then, of course, I you know, read about the, the composer of the game and that, you know, the originality kind of the argument flies out the window. So we're going to talk, uh, talk about Dragon Ball Z Budokai um, fighting game for the PlayStation 2 and other systems. Uh, did you guys play any of the Budokai back in the day? Any, any Hell yes. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> fucking ruled. Yep. Um, I was on board from the start. See, I feel like I got on board at Budokai 2, but I yeah. still, like, seeing this, I was like, oh, that looks fucking promising. I feel like they put out Budokai 2 pretty quickly, so I went for that one. But, uh, really good Dragon Ball Z fighting games. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. You could like customize your character with like the capsules, so like you could have different moves and whatnot. Oh, cool! See, I didn't know about that. Fuck, I love capsules. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that didn't quite grab me on this one, uh, you know, I, I knew the the ability to do cell shaded graphics was out there because like I'd seen the previews of the Wind Waker, and this one came out and it was like three D renditions of the Dragon Ball Z characters. It was uh. It's kind of like my my underwhelming response to like seeing the Simpsons characters made 3D. It's like, oh that that doesn't look so great. Um, kind of disappointing. They, they righted the ship pretty immediately on the next one. They got the they got the good graphics going. But uh, yeah, these games are really fun, man. Fun fucking Dragon Ball Z fighting games. Uh, Johnny, I know you're a huge fan. Um, so you can of course not only speak to your favorite Dragon Ball Z character, but your favorite song from composer Kenji Yamamoto. Yeah, so um, my favorite Dragon Ball Z fighter is um, Flute? No, I think I'm thinking of Piccolo. Sorry. I wish I were dead. You you gotta say, you really got me for a second there. I I thought you had made some severe mistakes. But no, you just made a really bad joke. It's uh, it's perfect, Johnny. Well done. Um, but yeah, so um, no, there's not really a whole lot to say about Budokai. You know, they're very fun. Uh, you know, I like Dragon Ball Z, and that you know, for some reason, that series lends itself well to being fighting games. Imagine that. Weird problem with this game comes with the music. Um, are you aware of the plagiarism controversy surrounding Kenji Yamamoto? <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah, turns out Kenji Yamamoto, uh, who did a uh, you know some music for the Dragon Ball Z anime and uh, video games around this time, was a bit of a plagiarist. Ew. And yeah, like it's uh, I mean it's tough, man. Like he, uh, you know, music's such a weird thing. Like he, you know made some songs that may sound a lot like other songs made by other artists without crediting them. But like, he didn't just like 
make the songs and like that, do them what, whole cloth. That's what plagiarism it, is. Yes, that's what. See, but that's the thing. Like music is like an iterative art. Like imitation is part of music. You know, growing and evolving. So like, you know, taking a song that somebody else made and like just picking out a couple of things that you like from that song, a little riff or like a little, uh, you know, little phrase in the music, you know, is it, is it necessarily plagiarism? If, you know, if you're not copying the entire thing, apparently it is because they fired the man. Uh, you know, (laughs) he's no longer a composer for the games or the series in any capacity. And he's like a renowned plagiarist now, but it's just, it's, it's weird, man. It goes back to like that fucking, that Robin Thicke lawsuit where Marvin Gaye's family somehow successfully sued Robin Thicke for imitating, you know, a Marvin Gaye song. It's like, well, hold on that song. It's not a fucking plagiarism thing. It just, it's a white guy doing a fucking disco song in 2011. Guys, let's calm down a little bit, but yeah, some of these Kenji Yamamoto songs, yeah, they uh, they they go a little further than maybe uh, Robin Thicke did back then. So we got a couple of songs in here. We've got "Move Forward Furiously," which was plagiarized from "Glory of the World" by the metal band Stradivarius. Um, we've got "The Man Called C," which, to my knowledge, is not plagiarized from anything. And then we've got "It's Thrilling Time," which is uh, apparently a um, somewhat plagiarized version of Iron Man by Black Sabbath, and uh, you know it's just I don't know it's strange. Like it's kind of I don't know obviously Stradivarius stuff well enough, but it's kind of a you listen you decide on the uh, the Iron Man ripoff here. So from a renowned plagiarist Kenji Yamamoto, we've got three fantastic songs from Dragon Ball Z Budokai, and that's going to do it for the 2002 segment. And Game of the Tune Gems is waving goodbye to 2002. It's been real, and uh, time to move on. Move forward furiously, because it's uh, it's thrilling time. There, that's, that's a nice tie-in to the names of these songs.
All right, before we move on to the whatever this final segment's going to end up being, uh, plagiarism thoughts? <laughs> it, it reminds me um, of when, like, Weird Al does, like, a style parody. Yes. And, like, he makes, like, his own song, but it sounds like the 
kind of song a certain band would do. Right. Like, like it sounds like a Sabbath song, but it doesn't sound like a Sabbath song. But it doesn't sound sounds like, like, Iron Man, doesn't <laughs> yeah, sound like that's Iron like it's Man. not dun 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 dun. La, 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 la. It's not exactly that. So I'm like, okay, now hold on, we're calling that plagiarism, but apparently we are because again, the guy does not have a job anymore. So I was going to say it was like the the like very heavy beats the specific reverb on the guitar is like okay this sounds a lot like it but i don't know that i would call it exactly and then it got to the part where it went da na 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 i was like okay yeah that's plagiarism <laughs> it's yeah it's so <laughs> it's tough man uh yeah that's uh again i just you know i uh i gotta imagine it's tough for musicians out there to kind of skirt that line of uh paying tribute and borrowing things without being accused of plagiarism. But I don't know. Um, I'm not a musician. I just enjoy the tunes. Uh, you know, sorry for, uh, sorry for black Sabbath and sorry for how it went down for Kenji Yamamoto. But anywho guys, we've reached the final segment of the show. And so here's the thing. There were no fantastic games that came out in uh, December of 2012. Um, I maybe didn't do enough research but uh, based on the things that I use to compile games for the show, um, there was about there was one game that I looked at and thought, oh, that's a game we've used on the show before. And maybe we can talk about that. It was Crimson Shroud for the 3DS. And I didn't feel like it was really worth talking about again. It was a perfectly fine game. We've covered it on the show. Look up Game That Tune, the podcast on which we all are uh, you know, hosts. We've talked about it before. Um, so I'm going to take this opportunity to do something a little different. Call an audible. You know, it's the end of the year. We don't do things like this very often because we know that nobody really cares about our opinions. But guys, let's talk about the year 2022 and our games of the year for 2022. Ooh. I think that's a nice way to close out this uh, this reminiscent show. Reminisce about the year that was, uh, specifically one game apiece and a couple of songs from the, the year that was. So, Hmm, I'm going to start with somebody who I'm pretty sure I know exactly what game they've chosen, even without being told that this is what we're going to do for the segment. Johnny, is your game of the year Sonic Frontiers or is it something else? It is Sonic. Frontiers! Oh, okay, it's not Sonic Origins? No, no, God, no. (laughs) No. Way better than the back years. Sorry for bringing that shit up. Oh, Sonic Origins. No, Sonic Frontiers, fucking amazing game. It's Sonic with the skill tree. Match made in heaven, like uh, like it's that I I it's, I I don't know if it sounds like I'm being sarcastic or not, but like honestly, I love it. I was like, oh my god, like I, say, I don't even are, know anymore. These are my two favorite things: skill trees and Sonic <laughs> together. At last, like this is dope. I didn't know you cared so much for skill trees. Good for you, man. Yeah, oh, they're addicted. I didn't know you were a Sonic fan. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I start playing a game like, um, like say Skyrim, and I see all these skill trees, and I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna be here for a while. <laughs> like, I gotta fill mm-hmm. all these trees. Uh, Sonic but has Sonic, a very you, you fill them up, you fill them up faster. I assume it's a much more reasonable skill tree. <laughs> you, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're not you're gonna upgrade your rolling or your speed. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's got fun, uh, fun music, fun bosses, interesting story. Um, 
my only gripe with the game is there's a pinball mini game one point in it, which uh, I wish they just didn't do that. But brought uh, back too many feelings to Sonic Spinball. Yeah, yeah. Except in Sonic Spinball, you can control Sonic a little bit. This one, nope. You just Uh-oh. you get you hit the you get hit by the pinball paddle and that's it. Like a real pinball, mm. you know, cabinet. Um, yeah, I thought the whole point of playing Sonic in a pinball game is that Sonic is a sentient ball and could play the game for himself. Yeah, yeah, damn, yeah. But mm. uh, and and also I was a little disappointed with the normal mode ending, and then I found out if you can just switch to hard mode and get the actual like hard mode, you know, final boss, and that's way better than the ah. regular boss. I'm trying. So not you to beat s- it then. Uh, yes, I beat. I 100 this game. What? Uh, or at least you, man. I'm sorry. I 100 all the maps because throughout the game you can uh, complete challenges to reveal more of the map. Um, I did that. I have not actually 100 all the like challenges in the game, like all the uh, cyberspace levels and their objectives. Uh, particularly one two is a real bitch to get an S rank on. It is difficult. It's the only one that was difficult. Every other hmm. stage, I just kind of casually get the S rank without even really thinking about it. Not one two. Nope. <laughs> damn. You gotta try. I want to say, is that a humble brag that you're you know so damn good at the game that only one level was a challenge for you? I feel no, like it is. No, it's it's more about just the extreme like difficulty change. <laughs> like it's really uh, like they're not that hard to do except this one. This one is just just absolutely insane for some reason. I like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I'm very happy for you because what a crazy ass game to like, man, I was worried when that got announced that it was going to suck ass. I'm glad it doesn't. No, man. I got a great seven out of 10, you know, Metacritic rating or whatever. (laughs) Call that Sonic 10. Yeah, that is a Sonic 10. (laughs) (laughs) How's this game? Adequate. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Woo. That's what we'll we'll settle for that, baby. It's playable. (laughs) Fun? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hell yeah. So, Johnny, uh, you know, you got three songs from Sonic Frontiers. What you got, man? So, I got Cyberspace 1 2. The title of the track is Flowing. Um, I got the music for one of the Guardian fights called Squid. which is a pretty interesting battle because it's one of the few where you don't just like run into it. You have to kind of like actually jump into the battle and have it start. And mm. it's kind of hard the first time. Um, and then Cyberspace 3-2 titled Go Slap because that song slaps. Is that why they called it that? I mean, good for them for yes. recognizing they made a slap. They knew what song. they were doing. Hell yeah. So, uh, you know, from uh, composers Tomoya Otani, Kenichi Tokoi, and Tomoya Otani, we've got Johnny's Game of the Year, Sonic Frontiers.
You know, they're right about that uh, that title, man. It slaps. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Johnny. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, the opportunity to talk now about my game of the year. Um, I kind of hinted around this in the uh, intro to the best of 2022 mixtape that we made. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to it. I would rate it very good. Uh, it's a fun mix. Some great games came out last year. I played only a couple of them. I beat probably only this one. Uh, my game of the year, because it made me very happy and was very fun, and I had a great time playing it, was Kirby in the Forgotten Land for the Nintendo Switch. Man, mm. what a game. Cool. Um, just an utter delight. Johnny, you're a Switch owner. You, did you get Kirby yet? No, so uh, here's the secret, guys. My game of the year is the only game I played this year, Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> oh, okay. cool, I've yeah. yet to get the Kirby game. Word. Um, yeah, no, uh, I'd say put it on the list. Uh, or I'll mail you my copy, because I'm pretty much done with it. I, I didn't 100% it. There's uh, there's some challenges as the game wears on that uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to complete. Um, but man, just what a fun game. What a fun like 3D uh, Kirby. Um, I love the... Uh, I just love everything about it. It's it's a fantastic Kirby game. It's uh, it's bright, it's colorful, it's fun. Uh, the abilities are a lot of fun. You can upgrade your abilities and you know make yourself look awesome and wacky. I love rolling around with the needle ability and stabbing enemies and then chucking them at each other. Um, you know, my son thought that was the funniest fucking thing he'd seen all year. He's like, "Daddy, make yourself into the trash," and like all the fucking pointy trash sticks out of you. You roll up the enemies and then fucking chuck them at each other. It's, it's just uproarious for a four-year-old and a thirty-something-year-old. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it's got that good Kirby uh, Kirby shit where it's it's uh, bright and cheerful and chipper, and then also underneath that is a bunch of weird, horrifying shit going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's not as uh, I don't know. I don't know. Existentially like terrifying or like the boss, the final boss isn't like so disgusting or like dreadful as uh, some of these other Kirby bosses, but it's still like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's uh the story's going in unexpected places as a Kirby game tends to do. Um, There's, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there, there is a moment in the final boss that does kind of get into that eldritchness. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember playing this and getting to the final boss is like, oh, okay. And then another phase comes up. It's like, oh, there it is. Yep. No, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it, it's not there. I'm just saying it's the game's so cute. It's almost, it's tough to recognize when it does get into the eldritchness. It's like, man, everything about this is so charming. Oh, God. <laughs> what the fuck? Just, okay. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil too much. Cause I don't have a whole lot of specific memories of it, but like, you know, just, you know, it's, it grabbed my attention for the time that I played it and I got through it and got it done. And there's something very appealing about a game that doesn't take forever anymore. I, I don't have a whole lot of gaming time. You know, I wish I had the time to play something like Elden Ring, but I don't like those Bloodborne games all that much. Uh, game like Kirby where it's fun. Uh, it's easy. It's over in a matter of a few hours and there's more challenges and more depth depth to it. Should I want that? That's my kind of game, baby. I had a blast and it's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's got that, you know, just bright bubbly Kirby music. And so of course, uh, you know, keeping with that spirit, we got two fantastic songs uh, from composers, June Ishikawa and Hirokazu Ando. 
uh, we're capturing the bright and bubbly spirit of Kirby and the Forgotten Land with Invasion at the House of Horrors and the Faded Dream of a Psycho Meddler.
Yeah, it's a it's a really tough game to represent in just a couple of songs. I mean, I think there were, you know, three songs in the mixtape, two songs here. It's uh, I think there's two hundred something songs in the fucking soundtrack. It's tough to kind of capture, but uh, you know, just an immense soundtrack for a fantastically fun game. And uh, I'm just so happy to play a 3D Kirby game, uh, Kirby game again. So had a blast, Jesse. Let's talk about your game of the year, baby. Hit us with it. Um, originally I was gonna pick Elden Ring, and I was like, well, music's kind of moody and black. It's been done. Yeah, but the one game that I loved almost as much as Elden Ring, and the music just kicks ass, is uh, Vampire Survivors. Um, oh hell yeah! Which uh, they still have not added any vampires in the game, um, and the, um, they recently added a new DLC pack for like two dollars, maybe three dollars, that adds a whole bunch of new abilities and monsters and and levels and stuff. And uh, it's just one of those one more round kind of games. Like you just uh, you might die, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to play it again. Because, like, the a max, the longest you could play a, a, a round of this game is 30 minutes, and then death shows up and kills you. Um, oh, dope. Because <laughs> death comes for us all, and uh, especially in Vampire Survivors. Um, and there's so many cool weapons and power-ups that when you get a good build going, you just feel like this unstoppable god with just all sorts of just things happening on screen. Um, if you have a a history of seizures, might not be the game for you. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, this game is just—it's so much fun. And when you like it, at first glance, you're like, "Are you sure Jesse's talking about this game that looks like they just stole sprites from Castlevania and they're just hopping around?" But no, dude, this game—it's so much fun and addicting and. It's a little deeper than it looks, like unlocking new characters and new modes. And and again, the music is just fucking killer. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, I, I really uh, I think I need to play this one. Um, this came out, uh, obviously, on Game Pass. Do you know, has this made its way to, like, Switch yet? Um, I'm not sure if it's on Switch yet. I wouldn't be surprised. It's recently uh, come on phones and other stuff, too, though, so... Mm. Um, no, it's not listed on Switch yet. You know, okay. Xbox, blah blah blah, Microsoft, such and such. Yeah, so not for me yet, but I'm uh, I'm keen to play it, man. It's uh, you know, it seems fun as fuck, and uh, I'm surprised to see it listed on so many uh, you know, Game of the Year things that I've listened to and and uh, kind of kept up with. So, but it seems like it really captured a lot of people's hearts, including yours. Yeah. So um. What do we got from Vampire Survivors? What are the what are the two songs that we um, got here? I picked uh Vampire Survivors and uh Forest Night Fever. Yes. So mm -hmm. from Vampire Survivors, Jesse's game of the year, uh from Danielle Zandara, we've got Vampire Survivors and from Filippo Vicarelli, we've got Forest Night Fever.
I really got to request some more of that game at uh, GTT Radio. I got to listen to more of that soundtrack. Um, And so we began the Game of the Year segment with somebody whose Game of the Year was, I thought, fantastically obvious. And, you know, I'd say we're ending with somebody whose Game of the Year I'm probably guessing is pretty obvious. David, tell us about your Game of the Year 2022. Well, you know, I, unlike Johnny actually played a lot of games this year um and a lot of them were really good um i really enjoyed kirby and the forgotten land um pokemon violet came out there was the oh, yeah. console port of them's fighting herds shredder's revenge came out oh yeah but when i started thinking about game of the year and specifically like music there's one game that i just kept coming back to um surprising nobody it's splatoon 3 right that's what i kind of thought it's very good. Yep. It's, you know, as someone who is a fan of the series, like people on the outside looking at it, like there's not a lot new going on. And it's true. There's nothing as major as like adding Salmon Run in Splatoon 2. It's a lot of smaller improvements, but those improvements go a long way. Um, triple Splatfest battles. Yeah. No idea that I needed that in my life. Um, when you're waiting in the lobby, instead of just staring at a menu, you can actually move around and interact with other people. Uh, you get to game of the year. (laughs) You get to customize your, um, you get your own like splat tag that you can customize to add like personal flair to it. So it's not just a generic name. Um, you can play salmon run anytime you want instead of at only at certain intervals. Like again, it seems pretty minor, but it's actually big changes card game um, the table turf battle is so incredibly addicting um and it is nice to have something that is dedicated to offline so if for some reason you can't connect to the internet you can still have fun with the game damn they thought of everything yeah they really did yeah good i really thought for a second there you somehow Super mispronounced tabletop game, but no, I realized table turf makes more sense. It's Splatoon. Uh, I was like, what did he say? Uh, yes, good. I'm glad I did. Um, man, yeah, I, I think uh, I got to pick this one up. You know, I put in plenty of time on Splatoon 2 and Splatoon 3. Uh, it felt like because I put in so much time on 2, maybe I don't need to immediately jump into 3, but I kind of kind of feel like I should. Seems fun. Super it fun. Is fun. Yeah. Favorite new weapon? It would probably be the Reflux, which is one of the, like, bow and arrow weapons. Didn't even realize they added bow and arrow weapons. That sounds dope. I don't know how those work with paint, but I'm into it. Um, The two new weapon classes there, I think they're called Stringers, which are basically bow and arrows, and then the Splatana Wipers, which are the, mm. like, sword weapons. Nice. Well, David, excellent pick. And you get to tell us the three songs that are taking us home. What are the three songs that you've picked to uh, represent Splatoon 3, your game of the year? Uh, we are closing out with Anarchy Rainbow, Till Depth Do Us Part, and then the boss music from the single player campaign. Hell yeah, man. Well, guys, what a year it's been for Game That Tune Gems. Thank you all. Uh, I'm talking to the three of you. Thank you guys for making it for this final edition. I know we haven't all made it to every episode, but I think we've done a, a pretty fun show all year, and I'm very, uh, very happy with it, and uh, very happy with everybody for listening. You know, thank you all so much, the listeners. 
uh, you know, just a fun little bonus show that we like to do, like to give you more music, plenty of bang for your Patreon buck. Uh, keep supporting us and uh, keep enjoying Game That Tune Gems, and we'll keep on doing fun little shows like this. And so, uh, like David said, we're closing out the 2022 with Splatoon 3 uh, from, uh, yeah. I guess they're just listed as <laughs> songs by Deep Cut. So, uh, you know, we've got uh, three songs from Splatoon 3. And uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you next year with more Game That Tune Gems. So, peace out, everybody.
All right. Now, before we stop recording, David, now is the time for you to run in Professor Frank at the end of 22 short film style and alert everybody to the fact that we overlook Street Fighter across Mega Man and uh, introduce three songs from that game. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, we can't leave 2012 yet. There's a major December 2012 release that we're missing. That was when Street Fighter Cross Mega Man came out, uh, which has a fantastic soundtrack. Um, so we've, we have to reference three songs from that. Um, and I think we should go with the classic Ryu stage, uh, Dalsim stage, um, and then, of course, Rose's stage. Hell yeah, David. God, what a what a near omission we had there. So it turns out there was one good game worth talking about in December of 2012. Thank you, sir, for uh, saving our asses on that one. Now we can delete that awful Game of the Year segment. So <laughs> that's what we'll do instead. We're going to listen to three songs from Street Fighter Cross no. Mega Man. Or I don't know, maybe we could, we could do both. Um, you know, well, maybe we could find a way to work it in. So uh, let's enjoy some uh, some A Rival. Street Fighter Cross, te- uh, not Cross Tekken, Street Fighter X Mega Man.
Cool. Good job, David. Thank you for finding that. (laughs) 